You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1130 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code MBA. Go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's podcast will break down what became a 130 to 127 loss for the Hawks at home against the Charlotte Hornets. And my apologies for the audio quality. I am not in my normal recording studio, and that's unavoidable. I'm also recording this podcast a little bit later in the evening as I was tweeting. I was uh, committed elsewhere on this Sunday evening. I was not in the building for this one, but alas, we have a lot to discuss. I watched the entire thing, uh, and I even some parts of it repeated after the game, and uh, that sort of explains the late delivery, but. Interesting game, for sure, for the Hawks, and defensively it was kind of a disaster overall. And with this defeat, the Hawks are now just 12-12 and on the season. They're still 8-4 and at home, but they've lost three of the last four games after that uh, red-hot stretch, and we'll get into all of what transpired here, but uh, sort of the headline is definitely the defensive weaknesses and the way the Hawks were unable to get stops against the Hornets team that was not exactly firing all cylinders from a uh, health perspective in this game. Um, to the injuries and some pregame thoughts here, the Hawks had three guys listed, listed as questionable as of as of Sunday morning, I should say. Trey Young was questionable with left knee soreness and ended up playing. He was a true um, decision at game time, though. He actually was not ruled into the game until very, very late in the process. Uh, he did say after the game that he um, was generally okay and got a lot of treatment during the day, but he also banged it up a little bit during the game as well. So we'll see how that fares because the Hawks have a back-to-back on Monday, but Trey at least was able to play in this one. Kevin Herter was questionable with left quad soreness, ended up playing, and uh, Kev Reddish was, was questionable with what the Hawks are still calling a non-COVID illness. He has the wrist issue as well. He was coming back from, but he ended up not playing in this game, so the Hawks were still down three of their top four wings, and uh, that, that definitely was a uh, part of the problem in this game. Um, before the game started, Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper were actually recalled to Atlanta from College Park. They had not been with the Hawks in a little while here. College Park, though, doesn't play until Thursday, so it made some sense to go ahead and bring those guys back. They did not play in this game. I was, um, you know, not, not a surprise to me anyway, but um, just keeping that and sort of as far as um, you know, nuts and bolts and record keeping. On the Hornets side, though, the Hornets actually were missing four pretty key pieces in the health and safety protocols. Um, headline by LaMelo Wall. Um, either their best player or top two player, uh, top three player, minimum. I would say their best player in a lot of ways. But um, he and Terry Rogier are their top two guards, and they both missed this game with the protocols and the health and safety portion of the uh, of the NBA at this point in time. And they also were missing Mason Plumlee, the starting center on the roster, and another rotation forward in Jalen McDaniels. So, you know, four of their top probably nine guys on their roster. Um, and honestly, they had zero depth in this game. It didn't really matter because they scored so often. But um, that made things look even worse and kind of feel even worse for the Hawks. Yes, the Hawks were banged up in their, in their own right. But I think actually in terms of what was missing, you could argue that Charlotte was actually missing probably you know, even, I would say, at minimum as large of a portion of the rotation, if not even a little bit larger, because they just don't have the same depth that the Hawks have up and down the roster. Uh, coming into the night, the Hawks actually, according to our friends at AG, were seven and a half point favorites in this game. Ended up losing, of course, and that's not what you want to see as a comfortable home favorite. Um, that line might have been a, l- a little bit high, but again, given the fact that they were without Ball and Rogier in particular, in addition to Plumlee and uh, McDaniels, you can see why the Hawks would have been uh, pretty sizable home favorites in this game. 
We'll dive in now to what actually transpired, and uh, for the most part, it was a lot of offense uh, throughout this contest. They intentionally, I thought, got John Collins involved early on when they touched on the first play of the game for an easy bucket. It's a great matchup for him overall. He was fantastic in this game, and that started out pretty much from the outset in this contest. Um, Trey Young had four assists in the first five minutes. The Hawks had 15 points in the first five minutes, shooting very well, no turnovers, and kind of just playing super fast, I thought. Um, rotationally, they actually went back to the early sub for Trey in this game, going to DeLon Wright fairly early in the first quarter. Didn't do it again in, that, uh, in the second half, but they went to Gallo and Solomon Hill pretty soon after that, and then they actually went with Lou and Trey together at the end of the first quarter. There was a frustration timeout by Nate McMillan at one point in the first quarter when they were down um, after a couple of breakdowns defensively, and uh, they were trailing. Charlotte actually shot four of six from three um, at the outset of this game. And uh, Solomon Hill actually got had to be helped in the locker room with a right hamstring issue. He was ruled out for the rest of the game pretty quickly from there. So the Hawks actually played only eight guys in the last three quarters of this game. They did not uh, expand their rotation. They actually just kind of tightened up and played uh, their key guys even more than they normally would. They were tied at 30 at the end of the first quarter. Um, it was all offense, as you might expect, from the entire tenor of this game. But the Hawks um, actually got to the line eight times, made all eight in the first quarter, and uh, that was obviously a good sign. I will say, though, as we look, look ahead, uh, at least a flash forward, the Hawks only took 18 in the entire game, so almost half of them in the first quarter. That's not what you want necessarily. The Collins had eight points in the first period. They uh, only forced one turnover, but Charlotte had no free throw attempts in the first quarter, which is also noteworthy. Um, they went to the bench with Capella plus TLC, in place of Solo, I think it probably would have been Solo if he had been healthy, but he wasn't at that point in time to start the second quarter. Uh, Gallinari had a great stretch. He actually had 11 points in his first seven and a half minutes of play in this game. Is four or five and doing uh, sort of what he carried over from the other night when he was really when it was really hot in the first half. Charlotte though kind of had a, a solid run to go up uh, eight points with about eight minutes to go, and actually became 15, 15, 15 five overall run to go up by 11 points before halftime. And um, you know a lot of the offensive stuff was uh, good in this game, as we'll get into more and more. But from that point forward, the Hornets kind of led comfortably, uh, at least somewhat comfortably, into the into the halftime break. They scored 38 points in the second quarter of this game, and it kind of felt that way, to be honest with you. Um, the Hawks' defense was not, let's just say, at its top level throughout this contest. You know, There was definitely some back and forth, but for the most part, the, the, the themes were kind of the same at the end of the first half. It was uh, a lot of the Hornets scoring, and the Hawks scoring pretty well as well. It wasn't just enough. Um, they were down seven at the halftime break. Offensively, they were good, and that's kind of what we'll get into again later on with, with the full game. But in the first half, a 122 offensive rating for the Hawks, and, they, and be down seven is kind of just brutal through that lens. 14 assists. They play pretty well on offense, even when you adjust for Charlotte being pretty bad defensively. This is a bottom five, bottom seven defense in the league, but the Hawks did play well on offense um, in the first half and really the entire game. And this In the uh, first half, though, defensively, a 139 defensive rating. Um, it was bad for the whole game, but it was worse in the first half, the second quarter in particular. Um, I thought that they were really disappointing in terms of their pressure at the point of attack defensively. Um, the Hornets had six guys with eight points or more in the first half. It was balanced. It was um, nuanced. It was not exactly as if they had so much depth either. They attempted 23 threes in the first half and nine from the corners. Just some really bad breakdowns there. Not a lot, a lot of contests and some execution issues. The Hawks don't really force turnovers very well at all. They only had one forced turnover in the first half. And uh, it was kind of the perfect storm. Now, I guess on the bright side, you could say the Hawks allowed about a 140 defensive rating in the first half, and they only were down by seven points. And later on, as we'll get to in a second, they actually did take the lead in the second half. But still, the, the damage was kind of done in terms of the, uh, the defensive performance and kind of what put them behind the eight ball. 
throughout this contest. Um, before we get to the rest of this, and a lot of it's more the same, by the way, but there is definitely some nuance and stuff that we'll get into down the stretch of this contest. Before we get to that, though, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Attention, NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of. In football, it's yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections, you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Prize picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry, and that goes for Trey Young as well. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before, so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, and we'll go to the second half now. And to their credit, the Hawks did come out of the gate firing after halftime. They cut the lead down to two um, for Charlotte. Collins had 20 points, 7 rebounds with seven minutes left. Sorry, 10 minutes left in the third quarter, and Trey had 10 assists already at that point in time. So the offense was firing, as we discussed before, and they kind of did turn it up a little bit defensively in the early going of the third quarter. The ball pressure was better, for sure. Um, I thought that was at least notable, and they did kind of finally remember that Charlotte in this game was missing its ball handling, and that's kind of a theme the entire way is that the Hawks did not take advantage of that. Um, you know, the, Yes, they had a Smith, who's a, is a solid NBA point guard, but... Other than that, they were kind of using their wings to facilitate, etc., and the Hawks just didn't put the kind of pressure on that they probably could have in this game. I took the lead, actually, with about, at about an eight-minute eight, eight mark of the third quarter on a herder to Capella lob, and Trey had eight points in about 75 seconds-ish in the third quarter to key a run there. It was a 21-10 overall push for the Hawks to start the third quarter, and they scored 21 points in about five minutes. So they were obviously cooking on offense in that little stretch. Also, the uh, John Collins nightly poster dunk happened with about 6.30 left in the third quarter, all over a Martin twin, and uh, obviously pretty impressive stuff there from John. If you missed it, I'm sure you can find it on the internet and even made the national rounds on Sunday evening. Um, some substitution pattern-wise, I've referenced this once before, but Trey ended up playing longer into the third quarter. He did not have the, the quick burst rest that he did in the first period of this game. Um, they went to Gallo and for Capella first off. Then Kevin Herter got his fourth foul. That was a big call and a big play because um, he was obviously their best wing by far. They brought in DeLon Wright um, for a little while. Actually, about a three when he came in the game. And at one point, the Hawks were 13 of 23 from three, um, which is like 57-ish percent. And they were actually only up by two, which is probably uh, not where you want to be if you're that hot at, from three. Um, 
But then as soon as that three happened by DeLon Wright, the Hornets went on a 12-0 run to go from down two, where the Hawks were leading by two, to the Hawks down by 10. Um, the Hawks missed seven straight shots. They had a turnover along the way. Defensively, they fell off a cliff a little bit when Gallinari came in, which is not surprising, but definitely did happen. They broke the drought with Lou Williams at the free throw line, but even he, who's an awesome free throw shooter, only, only split the two, and the Hawks didn't score at all for more than four minutes of clock time. Gallinari finally scored at the, uh, with like five seconds left or something like that to cut the lead down to seven, and Charlotte hit the shot at the buzzer that, that kind of got waved off after the fact, but still... They kind of, this is funny, they broke even in the third quarter, and it felt to me in real time, and as I was watching it, even though I knew what happened when I was watching it, it felt like it was a missed opportunity in a big way, and you know it wasn't a disaster, but they had taken the lead and gave it all back um, in short order in the third quarter. Uh, in the fourth, it was, as you might expect, kind of a uh, frustration exercise for Atlanta. They'd actually start the fourth quarter with TLC on the floor with Capella. He'd already played 30 minutes. It was a season high for TLC in minutes, as you might expect, with Solomon Hill out and Kevin Herter in foul trouble. But the Hawks had a nice run, their best run of the second half, uh, 11-2, took the lead. Um, that gave the Hawks life. You know, they brought in Trey Young and John Collins pretty quickly in the fourth quarter, which is probably what they had to do in a situation where they were kind of struggling a little bit. Um, you know, They had a three-point play connection right away to tie the game. And then they got a stop, and then John got to the line. They were going after Ish Smith, which kind of, you know, they should have done that earlier in my mind, but they finally did it at that point in time. And they held the Cornets to two points in about four minutes or so. There was a four-point play by Kevin Herter later on in the quarter, and there was kind of an offensive bonanza from there on both sides of the floor. It ended up being 112-112 with five, with five minutes to go because the Hornets were scoring four, four possessions in a row. Trey hit a deep three, etc. Um, from there... The Hawks took the lead on, on a trailer free throw with about 4.40 to go, and then it was all Hornets from that point forward. Um, they got to the line after a turnover, um, and then they gave up a three in that run as well. Trey missed a layup, and then Charlotte scored again. It was a 7-0 run in pretty short order to go from the Hawks up by one to the Hawks down by six. Then they actually had a huge three by Kevin Herter. He was hot in this game from long range uh, when they were absolutely floundering, but they got to stop from there. Um, Collins missed a jump shot, and then Charlotte answered with a three. I will say this about Charlotte. They made every shot that they needed to make um, in this stretch. Kelly Uber made a shot. The Hawks were down by six again with 2.20 to go. Um, Trey then scored. They got a stop finally, but then Collins couldn't score, and Charlotte just kept making shots. And um, Into a timeout with 1.04 to go. The Hawks trailed by six, and you're obviously a big underdog at that point in time. A must-score possession, but they made a shot. Kevin Herter made his seventh Yes, seventh three of the game, his career high for three-pointers in a game to cut the lead down to three, and they had some life at that point in time. They had to get one stop, and they couldn't do it, though. Um, they had gone to Gallo for offense out of that timeout, which is the right thing to do, down by six. got to worry about scoring more than anything else, but that hurt them defensively as they got kind of pushed down their throat, and it was a dunk in the situation by Charlotte in this semi-half-court situation. Down five then with 30 sec- 31 seconds to go. Herder missed a pretty good look. Actually went off out of bounds uh, off Charlotte, so that wasn't quite over yet. Then Trey did score to cut it down. They had to foul, etc., etc. Um, they ended up with Martin making both free throws with 18, 18, 18 seconds left. The Hawks did score and had one more chance, but they couldn't even foul. Down by three, they failed to foul, gave up a dunk in transition. And uh, when that was over, it was over. Collins missed out at the buzzer. They got um, It did count, but it did not matter at the end of this game. So... Um, essentially, the Hawks led a few times in the second half by like one or two points. 
but the Hornets were in control for most of it. Maybe not in full control, but certainly had the advantage overall in terms of how much they led in the fourth quarter. And then in the last few minutes, it was kind of like you know Hornets by three to Hornets by six, something like that, for the majority of that stretch run. Um, you know, in terms of takeaways and what I saw in this game, um, McMillan, after the game, talked repeatedly about giving credit to Charlotte, and I would agree. They, they played well in this game. We'll talk about that more often in a second with their shot-making but McMillan did not like a question about how it was like maybe a wake-up call on defense for the Hawks. He didn't like that at all. Um, he talked about Hornets being a better team. said it was one of those nights when Charlotte was uh, kind of just hot and they couldn't get the stops that they wanted to. So he went out of his way to kind of not pile on the defense. Uh, you know, he acknowledged that they did play well defensively in this game, but it was not like a uh, referendum in the way that he was talking. You could sort of uh, mileage may vary there on, on how you, whether you agree, but he was definitely a complimentary of the Hornets. Uh, to be positive for a second, the offense was good. In this game, um, you know, you're grading on a curve a little bit for the Hornets defense, which is quite bad. But it's not as if they got worse in this game playing without Lamelo Ball and Terry Rozier and Mason Plumlee defensively. Um, so you could argue maybe they were even a little bit better on that end of the floor in terms of their personnel. You know, they did play TJ, uh, PJ Washington a lot at center, which is not great defensively. But they they played more of Martin. Um, Ubre is sort of hot and cold, but they're not good defensively. Let's just say. Now, um, still, the offensive numbers you can't really fake in the NBA. They had a 127 offensive rating. They shot 52% from the floor. They were 17 of 37 from three, which is to lose a game when you shoot that one from three is not what you want, but it happened. They had the edge of points in the paint in this game. 11 turnovers is totally fine. It's not like incredible, but that's uh, better than, that's, I would say, better than average. Um, they had a bunch of guys who scored uh, or assisted or whatever, you know, season or career highs. They had 29 assists. They won, they won the glass in this game. They had 30 points or more in each and every quarter. And if I give you that whole slate of stats, you're supposed to win if you're the Hawks, particularly at home. And uh, it didn't matter because defensively it was such a mess. So um, on defense, I would describe it as dreadful slash horrid, uh, whichever word you want to use. Um, I will say, again, Charlotte is good on offense. They are a top 10 team on offense this season. Um, but if they did not have Lamelo Ball and Terry Rozier all season long, they would not be. So this is not the same team that was like that, and the Hawks had a 131 defensive rating. Um, Charlotte took 10 more free throws in the game, and given the fact that the Hawks took eight more in the first quarter, that means the Hornets took 18 more free throws in the final three quarters than the Hawks did. They shot exactly the same as the Hawks did from three, but they shot better on twos. They had six turnovers in the game. That is a minuscule amount, and uh, part of that's the Hawks don't really force turnovers. They're pretty bad at that uh, historically under this regime. But still, um, that's really, really low, even for the Hawks. And uh, even in the half court, the Hornets scored 1.2 points per possession. And uh, that is just like, you know, appallingly bad in terms of the numbers on defense. Because in half court, you're supposed to be worse on offense. And the Hawks still give up a bunch and bunch, a bunch of points. Um, they lost the battle with Miles Bridges, um, kind of letting him cook a little bit. Uh, they were prepared for Gordon Hayward. I will credit that to Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops for mentioning that. But I think it was right on film. Um, they definitely were better at guarding everyone but but Bridges on the perimeter, but that didn't really uh, happen. He was obviously hot in this game. I thought also Capella did a, sorry, Charlotte did a good job of, of spacing out Capella with their offense, and Capella is a good rim protector, but he had to play five out defense, and that's not his strength in this game. And then I will say, the Hornets definitely shot above their heads in this game. If you were to simulate only their shot attempts, they, were to, they would make less than this most of the time. But if you watch the game as well, there were some defensive mishaps along the way, and they were not good defensively in this game. 
Um, all right, we'll leave it there for now and come back in a second with some player observations. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Built Bar. It's the perfect time for Built Bar. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. This is something that's totally delicious. You feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories. That might even be on the low end. But most Built Bars have only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie, and they're low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, high-protein, and covered in 100% chocolate. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. Go for a Built Bar or two. Share some of your family gatherings. It'll make even things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. We'll have new surprises all month. Limited-time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check out the site often. And for now, you can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, 15% off in your next order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCK15, 50% off at Built.com. Football season continues, and the march to the playoffs is here, and BetOnline has you covered all season long for more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season, and you can head to our new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON to receive that welcome bonus from BetOnline.ag. With basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, in addition to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of this amazing offer and all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. And one more time, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we'll close it out here with some player observations from what was, again, a frustrating game. For the Hawks, uh, they played nine guys, only eight of them in the second half after Solomon Hill went down after only four minutes. He was fine when he played, but nothing really to get into there. I thought DeLon Wright was solid, but he was actually minus 12 in this game because he kind of got the bench lineups were not good. And then Gallinari did not pair well in this game, but three points, uh, had a block and a steal, two rebounds, kind of just did his job overall, wasn't bad. Um, didn't, turn, didn't turn the ball over at all either. I thought he was just kind of um, in, the wrong, in the wrong place at the wrong time when it came to plus minus. Lou Williams struggled, 1 of 5 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3, even missed a free throw. Did have two steals, he was active enough defensively by his standards in this game. Didn't get killed, but uh, was not very good, I don't think, uh, on the whole in this one. Uh, Gallinari had a mixed bag kind of game. Uh, he made some shots early. You know, again, he had 11 points in his first 8 minutes. Had 17 for the game, 4 rebounds and 3 assists. Shot it okay, 7 of 12 from the floor and 1 of 4 from 3, so 6 of 8 on 2s. Um, so pretty efficient there, but it was also minus six. And I think defensively, the team just kind of cratered with him off the floor. Sorry, with him on the floor. Um, they weren't great with any combination in this game defensively, but I think they were uh, notably worse when Gallo played than when he didn't. And uh, that's probably my number one takeaway other than the shot making in the first half. Um, among the starters, all guys played 30 plus minutes. That's an indication of uh, you know where we were in this game. Um, TLC, a season high and a team high in this game, 39 minutes of court time. 12 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, had 5 fouls and was active enough, made 2 threes. He was 3 of 5 on 2s. I thought he played pretty well. Um, defensively, he wasn't great, but he wasn't the problem in what I was seeing on film. And I thought that uh, he uh, did his job in this game and played a ton of minutes and um, played even more than he was supposed to because of Solomon Hill's injury, etc. And kind of just, uh, I would say he did his job overall. Kevin Herter um, made a career high, 7 threes, had 28 points which I don't think anybody really even noticed real time. Just He was so hot from three, but 28 points is a lot of points for Kevin Herter. He was really good in this game. 7-11 from three, 9-14 of 14 on, uh, from the floor, 3-3 three three from the free throw line, three assists, one turnover. Uh, did have five fouls, was, was, was in some foul trouble in this game, but I thought he was uh, he was huge. You know, the Hawks 
were in this game in part because of how hot he was from three, and that was uh, good to see him have a big shooting night as he's capable of doing. Click Capella, I thought, struggled. Um, I'm not sure if he was as bad as everybody said he was. I don't think he was very good, but I was not watching this game in real time. I had to go back and uh, had kind of seen and heard what was going on. And I don't think he was good. Uh, I think it was a, ma- it was a bad matchup for him, particularly without Plumlee, to take some of the heat off. They played small the entire game, the Hornets did, and that's not what Capella is good at. Uh, he was not physical in this game by his standards either. So I think defensively, it was still... Um, better when he played than when he didn't, I would say, overall, uh, sort of on the whole there. But he also missed three bunnies at the rim on offense. Um, you know, I think he was worse the other night than he was tonight. But still, it was not like he had a good a good game. It was just that he was probably not quite as bad as some seemed to forecast. And then uh, rounding it out with Young and Collins, Trey Young, 25 points, 15 assists, his season high for Trey in that category. Four of 10 on threes, five of 12 on twos, which is not as good as you would want probably. At six turnovers, <clears throat> so I think it was kind of a mixed bag game for Trey too. Clearly, the turnovers are too many. The, the assists, though, a season high—you can't argue with that. He shot the ball reasonably well. You know, twenty-five points on twenty-four shooting possessions is not what you want, but it's not going to get you killed either. So, I would say Trey—it was kind of a middling game from him. It took a couple bad shots, I thought, in the second half, but um, he's also the guy that they asked to do that, which is always uh, worth pointing out as well. And then John Collins was once again. Very, very good in this game. A season high, 31 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. You know, as good as he's been this year, I've kind of pointed out, but he doesn't have the counting stats necessarily that gets people attention. And in this game, he did with 31-12, you can't fake. Um, he was efficient, 2-4 uh, from 3, 5-5 five, five from free throw line. He was also 10-18 um, of 18 on twos. Yeah, he just played well overall. I mean, he did everything on, you know, defensively, was he, was he his absolute best in this game? No, but I don't think anybody was. And I think offensively, you can't argue with what he did. So, um, overall, it was a frustrating game for the Hawks. No question about that. Um, you know, my final thought here would be, you know, there's no shame in giving up a bunch of points to Charlotte. They're good on offense, but when you adjust for the available talent, it was not a good defensive performance. Uh, was it their worst of the season? I would probably still say not, but it was not good. And they're going to be better than this. They're going to have to be better than this, or they're going to struggle. You know, being 12 and 12 to 24 games is not what anybody wanted for the Hawks. Um, you know, they started 4-9, so they've been much better since then. But even then, they've lost three of the last four. So uh, I guess the good news, or maybe bad news, but probably good news, I would say, is that they have a quick turnaround here. The Hawks actually play a back-to-back on Monday evening. They had a 6 o'clock game on Sunday. They played at 8 o'clock Eastern on Monday in Minnesota. So they had to travel to play the Wolves. Tough turnaround there. Uh, it's not the longest trip in the world, but still not a, a down-the-street one either. It's just also a situational spot that's uh, kind of dreadful for the Hawks in this game. The Wolves had two days off before Monday, um, so they actually have full rest, and they're at home, uh, and the Hawks are on the road on a back-to-back. So that's one of those like picture-perfect, brutal situations in terms of the um, you know availability on that. In terms, I mean, I would say that uh, I'm not the highest on the Wolves this year in the NBA media landscape, but they are a talented team. And with all those advantages that they have, it's a tough sledding night for the Hawks on paper. Um, In terms of injury stuff, just to round this out, the only reason why this might not be as treacherous is that there's a lot of guys on the injury report for the Wolves. Uh, The Hawks on the back-to-back, they don't have to uh, release theirs until Monday. But the Wolves have four guys that are questionable for Monday's game, and they include Carlton Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Towns is questionable with a tailbone contusion. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is questionable with a right ankle injury. Patrick Beverly, another veteran, uh, solid piece, is uh, questionable with a left adductor strain. So uh, I don't know the status there other than just questionable. 
Obviously, if Towns doesn't play, that would be a nice break for the Hawks, but we'll see what happens there. I would not be surprised, I'll just say, if the Hawks are not favored in the game because of Minnesota's advantages both for home court and rest, um, but obviously a lot will come down to who is available and who is not. So we'll come back to that and talk about it after the game on Monday, but that's the next step on the agenda for Atlanta at this point. Um, we'll have full coverage of that contest, but I ask you, if you're listening to this point in the podcast, by the way, thank you for checking us out, but please subscribe to the show. Please tell a friend or tell an enemy or tell uh, someone else, <laughs> an acquaintance, anyone about this podcast that enjoys the Hawks and hopefully they will enjoy the podcast. At some point, I promise I got a lot of questions today. I will talk about Georgia, Michigan playing in the semifinals of college football, uh, landscape. Not today though. Maybe on a more positive podcast. We'll talk about that at some point, but, uh, uh, Yeah. Please follow the show on Twitter at, at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter, I should say, at BT Roland. And uh, again, please, please, please subscribe. We'll see you after the game on Monday evening.